You're listening to a message from Heritage Christian Fellowship in San Clemente, California. For more information, go to www.heritagesc.org. I don't know about you, but I had a really good week. And, um, you know, it's been kind of interesting. It feels like there's a theme of, like, if you're feeling down or depressed or, or whatever, just come to the Lord and He's going to touch you. And I don't know, the last couple of weeks, I think, uh, since the holidays, I was just wrapped up with everything. And, you know, I was feeling a little dry. You, you know, everybody, I mean, from time to time, you just feel that little dryness with God. And I just had this sense, you know, maybe I should fast and pray a little bit. I hadn't done that in a while. And I, I used to do that quite often. So I really felt led to fast. And whenever I felt led, I always have a confirmation because God gives you the grace to do it. So I was actually able to do it, and I wasn't really that hungry, and I had energy. And so I fasted from Monday through Thursday, and it was such a great time. It felt like the week really went by slow, though. You know how weeks really go by fast? And it was like, for some reason, this was like a slow week. And I kept on thinking about places I wanted to go eat afterwards. Um, but the first day, like, I really was praying, and I had this kind of almost vision or picture of liquid gold kind of coming on my head. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. What does that mean? So I looked up liquid gold. I Googled it. And there was all kinds of kooky things about what liquid gold meant. But I think for me, one of the definitions, it talked about it was a, a furniture tarnish called liquid gold. And, and then it said, yeah, it helps uh, restore the natural beauty of furniture. And I really felt the Lord says, that's what I want to do with you this week, is, is just to pour this on you to help restore your luster. You know what I mean? Sometimes with life, the grime, the age, just the dryness kind of, kind of settles in, and, and we lose our luster in God. And it was just really neat, just spending time. And, and part of me, my fast isn't just food. It's, it's getting away from media, getting away from movies or TV, and just really pulling back. And I had this sweet time, and it was really good. And I know during the holidays, it's like hard to focus on the Lord. Like my dad, I, I don't want to give a secret of his away, but he always hated the holidays because he felt like in the holidays, like everybody focuses on everything but Jesus, and it always frustrated him. So, sorry, Dad. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, with that said, I just wanted to wish you Merry Christmas, and don't forget about the Lord. And, and this holiday season doesn't have to be this dry thing where we get so busy that we have no time for the Lord. So, so let the Lord pour liquid gold on you too, and just spend time with the Lord. Spend time with the Lord. That's the key. And, and even this morning, it felt like God was doing something, and he did for, for some of you today. You might have felt like like a little bit of liquid gold or whatever, just God's presence refreshing you. But take that into your day next, tomorrow and next week. Maybe set aside, set aside some time to fast and pray too, as God leads you. Uh, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm, we're going to talk about um, uh, the, some Christmas stories today. And one of my favorite parts of the Christmas story is the story of the wise men. Remember those guys? There's three wise men here, but actually our theologian Mike Fanning, he challenged me and he's like, there's not three wise men. And actually I, I study that and there's actually not three wise men. There's wise men and tradition says there's three of them. They even give them names, but actually there could have been more. But we're just going to go with these three. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> um, but we know these wise men were from the east and it was from modern day Persia or, or Iran. And they followed a star to find Jesus. And the Bible says when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. 
and they just, you know, they're like, wow, we see the star, and that means Jesus is close. And then after traveling, they estimated almost 900 miles, which probably took about five months, they found the house where Jesus was. So we're going to pick up the story here in Matthew 2.11, where it says, On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I saw a joke this week, and it was like, uh, there, was, there was the wise men, and they had, uh, each one had a gift, and one had gold, one had myrrh, and then someone had Frankenstein. They, they got the memo mixed up instead of frankincense. It was kind of funny, but anyway. But these wise men, when they found Jesus, they did two things. They worshipped him. They worshipped him. And whenever we encounter the Lord, that is our natural reaction is just to worship him. I love what Kylie said, because it's the person of Jesus, and he's worthy. And you just can't help but fall in love with Jesus when you meet him. And that's why we come here on Sundays. There's a lot of stuff that we, could, we can do. You know, we give our money. We do all this stuff because we want to serve Jesus. We love him. And, and even the, the very first moment of Jesus' life, um, they came and they just worshipped him, even as a baby, before he did anything, because he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And, and the second thing they did is they gave Jesus three very expensive gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And today, we're going to begin a sermon series up until Christmas based on the story of the wise men and these three gifts. Um, and so what does it mean for us today to bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh? And so um, true to biblical tradition, we have commissioned our three-day, uh, modern-day three magi or wise men and over the next three weeks, and we are going to um, preach about the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So today, I'm going to preach on gold. Next week, um, Mike is, uh, no, Lon is going to preach on frankincense, and then the following week, Mike is going to pre- preach on myrrh. So, so today, we have our, th- I want to present our three <laughs> magi, modern-day magi. So just so you know, there was no wise men harmed in the making of that picture. So let's pray, and then we're going to dive into what does it mean to give God your, or Jesus your gold today? So Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for your presence that is so abundant, and you're refreshing us, and we love you, Lord. We bless you. We praise you, Jesus. And I just thank you for the opportunity to share from your word, Lord, and to reflect on Lord, the beautiful story of Christmas, which is you coming to this world, dying for us and giving your life, giving us eternal life, Lord, and Lord, that we might be washed and cleansed of our sins. We just thank you for that. And and Lord, I just ask that all our hearts and our minds would be open and that we would be open to the challenge that I feel that you want me to challenge everybody at the end of this message. In Jesus' name, amen. So they say the modern day value of the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, how much do you think it was? Okay, that's wrong. He said $5. No. Um, <laughs> actually, the modern-day value of the gold, frankincense, and myrrh that was this gift to Jesus was about $4 million. I blew my mind. I, I didn't think that was possible. 
So what does that mean today for us, to give us of our gold to Jesus? Does that mean, I mean, anybody have $4 million they want to donate into our offering later today? You know, we would love that. Um, but the simple answer, our modern-day gift of gold to Jesus is our tithes and offering. <coughs> tithes and offerings. So that's what I'm going to preach on today. I'm going to preach on tithes and offerings in the church. Um, and some of you might be thinking, oh, no. Or may, maybe, there's, maybe we have a guest here, and you said, you know what? I haven't been to church in a long time because the last time I came to church and the times before that, it's like all I do is talk about in church is money. So it's like I have my apprehensions. I hope there's not that person here who has this aversion to church because all we do is talk about money. But you know what? And also, I think the church does have kind of a bad rap about talking about money because there has been abuse of people preaching about money and the whole prosperity gospel and all that kind of stuff. And, and we honestly get ridiculed from the world about asking for money and uh, talking about tithes and offering. But preparing for this message, my perspective has actually changed quite a bit. In fact, I'm happy to preach on this because I really believe that tithing is a beautiful biblical principle that brings great blessing not only to the church, but to each of us, just like the gold given to Jesus back then when he was just a baby. You know, they say that actually the gold that was given to Jesus and the value of that probably helped um, fund their trip to Egypt because remember soon after that, Herod was going to kill all the babies two and under and they had to flee to Egypt. They had to have money to do that. So some say this, this, these gifts from, from the three wise men uh, were able to fund that. But the thing is, is tithes and offerings please God. Just like the gold, frankincense, and myrrh please Jesus and, and God himself. And, and in fact, tithes and offerings go beyond that. They're actually holy unto the Lord. They're holy. And when the wise men brought their gifts, that ended up being a holy gift to the Lord too. And I also, I realized that I would do a disservice if I didn't challenge each one of you to tithe in a biblical manner. Because you're actually missing out on a unique blessing that comes with tithing. And the thing is, is tithing allows us to live under the umbrella of God's blessing. There's this term I heard, it was called the umbrella of God's blessing. It's such a nice visual. It's like there's this umbrella, there's this umbrella of God and you're under it. And there's blessing and it doesn't matter what's going on outside. But in God's umbrella, you're safe and then there's a blessing. Are you guys with me? You're thinking, man, why did I come today? <laughs> or, or maybe I'm so glad I forgot my checkbook today. <laughs> uh, well, let's start by defining, what do I mean by tithes and offering? You know, let's just start from the beginning. So a tithe is actually 10% of your income given as an offering to your local church. I believe it's 10%. You know, this is a debatable issue. There's scholars who will debate on this. But personally, I believe it's a 10% of your overall income given to your local church. In other words, if I have a $1,000 paycheck, $100 is my tithe. Or if I make $6,000, it's $600. So a tithe is 10% of your income. And actually, the word tithe, literally, in the Hebrew, means tenth. In Leviticus uh, 27.30, it says, A tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain or fruit, is the Lord's and is holy. So tithe means tenth in Hebrew. 
And, you know, there's a lot of, and then there's another uh, in Proverbs 3, 9, it says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. So there's a lot of gardening metaphors in the Bible because they were an agrarian society. But these verses basically are saying we should give a portion, specifically a tenth, of whatever we make back to God. And it actually should be our first fruits. So a tithe is 10% of your income that you give first to God to the local church. And then an offering, on the other hand, is anything extra beyond your tithe. So if you want to give more money, you know, so if you make $1,000 and you give 100 as your tithe, if you want to give another 50 to somebody or a charity or something, that's your offering. It's the money up and above your tithe. And the Bible tells us that tithing is a way to show that we trust God not only with our life, but with our finances. And there are also practical factors of tithing, because a big part of tithing is to support the work of the local church, like to support heritage. We only, you know, unfortunately, we never got a government grant. It's probably a good thing, because there's always strings attached, right? But we just, we rely on the tithes and offerings from you guys, from the people who called heritage our home. And it's interesting with the wise men, because the wise men gave their gifts to Jesus, but his parents facilitated it. You know, Jesus, he never saw those gifts, but, but the parents facilitated them. And that's kind of like the church. We give our, our tithe to Jesus, but the church facilitates that money. Um, and I, I just want to do a quick disclaimer, because statistics are about 75 to 90% of people who go to church and I'm not, I, hopefully it's not this church, but it probably is a decent percentage too. 75 to 90% of statistics say that most people who go to church don't tithe 10%. So, before, you know, so it's like, as a, as a pastor or a preacher, you know, I could beat everybody up with stuff, but, and I don't want to do that. I, I don't want you guys to feel guilty about this. I just want to inspire you to, to, to inspire to give. But there's, um, and, and so there's some people here you've never tithed, or some people say, I don't believe in tithing, or some people tithe, but it's not a full 10%. So I, I, want, I want to just acknowledge you, and I want to say a couple things. First of all, you are not a bad Christian if you don't tithe, all right? So just get that off your back. <laughs> and um, so God loves us when we give and also when we don't give. And secondly, tithing is not a way to earn God's love. Because we already have God's love. So it has nothing to do with like God's love. Third, we will treat you the same here at Heritage whether you tithe or not. So if you don't tithe, you're not going to be a second-class citizen. We're not going to make you sit in the back or work in the children's ministry. <laughs> Sorry. No, I, that was bad. No, children's ministry is an opportunity. It's a blessing. Um, but some people look at it like that. So... Um, the thing is, is we've had a long-standing policy, which I love and we continue, is I don't know anything what you guys give. So I don't know who gives a lot or who gives little or who gives nothing at all. And we do that purposely because we want to treat all of you guys the same and we want to love you the same, you know, um, and treat everybody the same. And uh, fourthly, and I was kind of uh, hesitant to bring this up, there's no self-benefit for me in this message. I'm not looking for a raise. In fact, I've actually never taken any money from the church ever since I've been on staff uh, since 2017. Yeah. Um, you know, I felt the Lord lead me that, and God's blessed me, so I haven't been able to do that. 
uh, I needed to do that. So it is a real blessing. So, you know, I'm not like, I, I really come to you in preaching this with the purest of modus and the strongest of convictions. And also, I do tithe myself. I've tithed for a long time. And if there's anybody who could say, you know what, I have a reason why I shouldn't tithe. Well, you know what, I'm working here all the time. I work a lot of hours a week. And in a sense, I could say, you know what, that's kind of my tithe. So I'm not going to give money. But I still give my tithe, and God blesses me for it. You know, so I, I really believe in this, and, and I really think you should too, because this is what the Bible teaches. For me, it's an honor, privilege, and a huge blessing to tithe. And I honestly can say that 90% of my income that I live on has always been better than keeping 100% of my income. For some reason, God will bless the 90% that we have more than if we just keep all 100%. It's, it's a biblical principle. But I wanted, to, I wanted to talk about three specific things that help, with, uh, that, that help make this true, that tithing is such a blessing. The first thing is tithing helps you put God first. I mean, as believers, we're like, yeah, I want to put God first in my life. I mean, that's a desire each one of us have, and it's a biblical desire. And tithing is a great tool to do that. Um, because God doesn't want to be one among many in your life. You know, sometimes like we, we look at God like, uh, like spokes in the wheel. You know, like a bicycle wheel has different spokes. And we say, well, this spoke is my family. This spoke is my marriage, my career, my interests. And then this spoke is for Jesus and the church. But God and Jesus don't want to just be another spoke in your wheel. Jesus wants to be the hub where all the spokes come out of. And, and one of the ways to continuously keep God first is to tithe. And it says actually in De- Deuteronomy 14, 23, it's, it's talking about uh, you know, the law and it says, bring the tithe to eat before the Lord your God at the place he shall choose at a sanctuary and that applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, and the first fruits of your flocks. And then the highlighted part says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your life. So perhaps you're like, why, don't, why can't I put God first in my life and you're struggling with this and you're feeling guilty? Well, maybe you should start with tithing because if you can get it right in tithing, you can get it right in other areas of your life because the Lord wants to be first and he needs to be first. You know, the first day of the week is Sunday, and we come to church. It's actually the Sabbath. We're supposed to give that that day to the Lord and be restful with Him. And the first minutes of our day, we're supposed to pray and read the Bible and connect with the Lord. So the first fruits of our income should go to the Lord because the Lord needs to be first. Imagine if when we were budgeting our money, we took our money and, and instead of paying any of our bills, I know it sounds crazy and a little scary, we put aside that money for the Lord, 10% off the top. That's what tithing is. And that's why it's hard to do, because it's our hard-earned money. And it might seem a little extreme, but this is how the Lord sees our gifts. Let's look at quickly at the story of Cain and Abel. Remember Cain and Abel? This is only the fourth chapter of Genesis, really early in the, in the Bible. And it says, and it talks about the two gifts that they gave to God. It says in verse 3, In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, 
But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. So God approved Abel's offering, but disapproved of Cain's offering. Why? Well, Abel gave his best or the first fruits right off the top, while, God, while Cain gave God his leftovers. Because it, it says like about Cain, in the course of time, he brought his offering. So what does that mean? It's almost like when he kind of felt like it, when he got around to it, when he had time, he just kind of gave God whatever was left over. But Abel, right from the top, he gave his first fruits, the best, the fat. Anybody besides me love like the fat and the steak? I know my kids hate that, but <laughs> like, if, you know, it, it, yeah, there you go. I got some, some uh, kindred spirits here. <laughs> And for Abel, God was pleased with the offering, but for Cain, he was displeased. And some of us would say, well, at least Cain gave. At least he tried. I mean, he should have got a participation trophy or something. <laughs> but God was displeased with Cain's offering because it wasn't first. Because God wants to be first. And we, this is something we need to understand about the ways of God. And God doesn't need our money. He doesn't. And the question I have is, is the Lord first in your life? Is he first with your time? Is he first with your talent? And is he first with your treasure? Because aren't those the three things we deal with, our time, treasure, and talents? But we need to put God first. So second, tithing is life, not law. Tithing is life, not law. Because some people basically say, and this is where there's, you know, scholars debate. They say tithing really doesn't apply to us today because it's under the Jewish law, the old covenant, and we are free from that. We're under the new covenant. And, you know, personally, I, I don't see it that way. I believe tithing is actually more like a statute that predates the law. You know, there, there are certain things in Scripture that came before the law and existed after the law, and I think tithing is a statue that we continuously live by. It's kind of like marriage. You know, marriage was instituted before the law, marriage was instituted in the law, and marriage is instituted today, thank goodness. Same with like adultery or murder, yeah. <laughs> we have an engaged young man right there. We'll get to you later. Um, we can see in the Bible that tithing exists well before the law, like Cain and Abel, and also Abraham and his sons tithe. And Jesus and the apostles also affirmed tithing. Um, actually, Jesus made a comment. He, he, a lot of people miss this, and it's kind of hidden. But in Luke eleven forty two, you know, he's talking about the Pharisees and kind of giving it to him. But he says, you should tithe, yes. Because he's basically questioning why they tithe. So we have to have good motives to tithe. But he said, you should tithe, yes. So Jesus affirmed tithing. And actually, in 1 Corinthians 16, 2, Paul affirmed tithing by saying we should do it each week and in proportion, which is a percentage of our income. And I believe that proportion is 10%. That's what even tithe in Hebrew means. So first we see that tithing helps us put God first, and tithing is life, not law. And the third thing is tithing positions us for provision and protection. That's where the umbrella of God's blessing comes in. There, there is something about it. I don't understand how it works. My, you know, I grew up in a good Christian home, and my parents drilled it into my brother and I from a young age to give. And I've always seen that, oh, in the long haul, the Lord will bless you if you tithe. 
You know, it's not a get-rich-quick scheme like some prosperity gospel preachers have done it, but if you give, you'll live under the umbrella of God's blessing. You know, I heard a preacher tell a story of when a young man came to ask the preacher's daughter for his hand in marriage. And the preacher asked him one question. This is the only thing he wanted to know. He said, are you a robber? And the guy was like, you know, I, I was preparing for this meeting, but I wasn't prepared to answer that. And he's like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, um, the preacher explained to the young man that he was asking if he paid his tithes because according to Malachi 3, if you don't pay your tithes, the Bible says that we actually rob God. The preacher never asked about his job, career, finances. He simply asked him if he was a robber. I didn't, Josh is engaged to my daughter, so he came to Elvira and I a couple months back, and he, I should have asked you that question. <laughs> because the preacher knew that if the man was faithful with worldly wealth, he would be faithful with his greatest treasure, which was his daughter. And the preacher believed what Jesus said, because Jesus said, if we're not faithful with worldly wealth, how can we be entrusted with true riches? That's how he viewed his daughter. That's how I view my daughter. The preacher was referring, uh, and the preacher was referring to this passage in Malachi 3, and I want to look at that. And basically it says, if you don't tithe, you actually rob God, and you actually need to test God in this. So let's read it. Malachi 3, starting in verse 8. And God asked this question, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, we ask, well, how are we robbing you, God? Just like that guy asked. In tithes and offering. And he says, you are actually under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Because they weren't tithing. And he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And then God says something he doesn't say anywhere in Scripture. He says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. It's the umbrella of God's blessing. And he says in verse 20, 11, I will prevent pests from destroying your crops. Anybody have crops that they're worried about their pests? How about tires on your car? Maybe our modern-day equivalent is the Lord will let your tires run for another couple of years. I don't know. Or, or just less problems with your car. Because, you know, if you get a lemon out of a car, you know, it could drain your savings super quick. But, but sometimes when you give to God, you're just under this blessing. Like your crops will be protected. And it says, and your vines and your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed and yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord. So basically, it says two things. If you don't tithe, you're actually robbing God. God himself was speaking to that through Malachi. And if you do tithe, you, be, you, you live under the blessing of God, un, under this umbrella of blessing. You know, he throws, I mean, isn't that a, a cool term? The floodgates of heaven. You ever see like when rain happens and they have to, you know, uh, release um, uh, water from a dam and they just, the floodgate, the flood comes. And, and it's just that, that picture of abundant blessing upon blessing upon blessing. And there's going to be protection over your crops and your field or your stuff. Uh, a re and there's a recognition from people that you are blessed. 
Have you ever noticed there are certain people that they just seem to be blessed? And I wonder if it's related to living under the umbrella of God's uh, blessing through tithing. That's why tithing positions us for provision and protection. I think King Solomon in Proverbs 3, 9 to 10 sums it up nicely when he said, honor the Lord with your possessions. In other words, tithe. And with the first fruits of all your increase. So the first things off the top we give to God. And then it says in verse 10, so that your barns, or modern day equivalent, your bank account, your house, your dwelling, will be filled with plenty. And your vats will overflow with new wine. So when we tithe and give to the Lord what is owed Him, we are promised to live under an umbrella of God's policy. And how many people want to live under the umbrella of God's God's, um, protection policy? Well, you need to tithe. (laughs) That's what the Scripture is saying. You need to give God 10% of your income right off the top. You know, it really works. Like I said, I've done this all my life. And even not taking money here and still tithing... Over the last five years, our business has grown so much. You know, my brother's handling the the lion's share of it, but it's like God has blessed us. I see his blessing. And if you don't believe me, the Malachi says, test God in this. Test God in this. So my challenge, and I want to challenge each one of you today. My challenge is to start tithing 10% of your income this month for the next 12 months. And test God and see if it works. I I was wondering, I was like, man, should I ask it? That's a big ask. And then that visitor who says, yeah, I knew they were going to ask for my money. (laughs) But actually, during our pre-service prayer, and by the way, we we get here at 9.15 and we pray for about a half hour and there was like almost 30 of us here this morning, and we're just hearing and praying from God. And, and Sarah's like, I feel, in, she was praying for me, and she says, in your preach, I think there's going to be a challenge, and God wants to bless that challenge. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to do it. So I feel that the Lord, this is, this is what God wants me to do. Amen. To, the challenge is to start tithing 10% of your income this month, December of all months. This is like the worst month to do it, because we have a lot of gifts to buy, don't we? <laughs> For the next 12 months and see what happens. And you know what? I feel kind of weird doing this. I used to be in sales and I used to flip this around. I used to sell furniture and we had like a lifetime guarantee on the frame. So I'm going to give you actually a guarantee. (laughs) You will find yourself living under the umbrella of God's blessing by the end of 12 months. if If you take me up on this. And if you're like, you know what, I would love to, but how do I do it? If you only knew my circumstances, you would say, okay, you you get a buy, you get a pass. So if you really are in that place, you said, I want to, but I don't think I can, come see me or one of the leaders here at the church, your community group leaders, and we'll help you. We'll sit down with you, look over your finances, if that's what you want, and just say, you know what, yeah, make make these adjustments. And like, hey, maybe we'll help you because, you know what, God is putting in our heart to help you, bless you. But we want, I want, and we want you to be able to live up to this challenge. 
And you know what? It's good if we're in each other's lives and we're saying, you know, the Bible says this, but I'm struggling with this. What's the difference between that and like, you know, in a lot of guys' groups, guys get together and like, you know, I'm struggling in this area. I'm struggling with pornography. And there's a lot of cool apps that basically will, if, if you have a buddy, he'll see what's on your phone and on your computer so he can help you find victory in that area. And the same thing with finances. We're happy to help you find victory in that area because I think the Lord wants you to test him in this. So Steve, can, can you come on up and, and just play a little bit of the guitar? Um, and I believe that living... 90% under the blessing of God goes a lot farther than 100% blessing, 100% without the blessing of God when we don't tithe. Amen. So the first thing is we, tithing helps us put God first. Tithing is life, not law. And tithing positions us for provision and protection. And I want to conclude by telling you a story that I heard recently from an anonymous donor at a different church. And basically, the donor decided to pay for a nice meal for all the children's ministry workers at his church. And all the children's ministry workers were invited to a wonderful meal at a fancy restaurant. And this anonymous donor prepaid it, so nobody even knew who this person or couple was. And he wrote the following letter to describe why they did it and the impact it had on them. So I want to read this letter. It's, and, and this starts out by saying, We were the people who said, I wish I could earn loads of money so that we could be super generous and give loads of money away. Then God convicted us because we realized that what we really meant was, I want to earn enough money to be able to live the lifestyle that I, wanna, I want, but still give loads of money away without affecting our lifestyle, and let's face it, my bank account. That's not the right heart. We asked God to help us be more generous. And when we got a bonus from work, we tithed on it, and then we asked God what to do with the, with the rest of the money. We felt prompted by God to pay for all the kids' workers to go out and enjoy a nice meal together. At the time, we knew that we had a big upcoming bill, and we didn't have quite enough money to pay the whole costs. It was so tempting to use the bonus money to pay that bill. Somehow, to be honest, I couldn't really tell you how we were able to pay that bill, even though we used the entire bonus to pay for the kids' workers' meal. When driving home from the restaurant after paying ahead of time for the kids' workers' meal, I started laughing. I couldn't believe it. I had just paid for a meal costing over $1,200 for people in the church. This is what I'd always said I wished I could do. There was one difference. We weren't earning a crazy amount of money. We weren't living an outrageous, rich lifestyle. We were just living our normal life. And yet, because I believe our hearts were in the right place, we were able to, be extra, we were able to extra, extravagantly bless others. Did we receive anything tangible in the natural? No. Did we receive anything back in the supernatural? More than I can imagine. I never felt so blessed. That money was never ours, but God chose our hearts to bless others. After paying, we didn't miss the money we parted with that day, but on the other hand, the joy of giving is something that we want to keep on experience for the rest of our lives. You may not feel that you have much, but ask God for guidance, obey Him, make the sacrifices, and He will blow your socks off. 
You know, Jesus was right when he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And you know what? When the wise men left, left Jesus and Joseph and Mary on their way home, I bet you, it doesn't really say anything about them. They, they, went to Her- they, they didn't go back to Herod, but then we don't hear anything back from them. But I bet you the trip home seemed a lot shorter than the trip there because they were probably so full of joy blessing, of of worshiping Jesus and meeting him and then giving to him four million dollars. So there's actually joy when we have a lifestyle of generosity and it really brings true freedom. You know, and even if there was no benefits to tithing, just what it does in our hearts to experience and live in that joy is worth giving. Giving, you know, see, when you give away your hard-earned money, it helps recalibrate your heart and restore the joy in your life. And tithing is a holy act because it's another way that we set ourselves apart to God. Imagine instead of maxing our card, credit card to, to get that thing, to buy that thing that we think is going to make us happy, imagine if we maxed out our faith and we're able to give recklessly and generously, not only to the church, but to those around us. What a difference that would make. I think we would really experience the joy and overflow of the Spirit. Feels like Trevor has something to share. (laughs) So I wasn't planning to come up here, but um, I think it depends in this congregation how well you know Peter. Um, if you know Peter, he isn't talking the talk right now. This man walks the walk. Um, I am a, I'm an extremely critical person, and uh, if you are a critical person, you're always watching everybody's move. Um, and there's a good thing about that, because you can pick up on really good traits. There's one of my favorite scriptures is where Paul, he's like trying to tell them how to behave, and he's just like, just imitate me because I'm going to imitate Christ. Um, So I want to tell just a quick story. Uh, Many years ago, we were hiring a new person at Heritage, and it came down to two different people um, who we were going to hire. Um, And they're both qualified, they're both good candidates, but ultimately we had to hire one. Uh, For the one that we didn't hire, it was a struggle for their family. Uh, They really thought they were going to get the job, and financially it would have been helpful because they were in a time of transition. Um, Peter stepped in and he helped that family and he loved them in a powerful way and as a spectator I was like man that person's not part of our congregation we didn't hire that person and all Peter told me is like man God just told me to help them out so I would say um, well done good and faithful servant this church is very blessed to have you thank you thank you Generosity truly is a uh, blessed quality. It's a good reputation to have. Man, it would be a great reputation if when somebody brought up Heritage in San Clemente, like, oh, the really generous church. Those guys are really generous. 
I know um, when 412 comes out to visit, that's what they, they always like criticize. Oh, work on this, do this. But y'all are really generous. So yeah, at, least, at least you got that going. <laughs> so um, I'll pray for us if you're okay with that. Yeah, yeah um, sure. So we'll bow our heads. God, you are good. God, we are generous because you are generous. While we were still sinners, you loved us. You cried out on that cross, Jesus. Forgive them for they do not know what they do. You are generous with your life. God, we thank you for Peter. We thank you for his family. Lord, we thank you that uh, he doesn't tell us to be generous. We thank you that Peter lives generosity. We pray over this church, Lord, um, that they would test you uh, and that you would open the floodgates. Lord, and that we could be a blessing to this city. Thank you for the message today, and thank you we can take a topic like finances and bring it back to um, the gospel, the good news, God. We love you with all our heart. We lay before you our time, our treasures, and our talent. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you tune in next week. For more information, go to www.heritagesc.org.